0: Thank you, Seth. Thank you, worship team, and it's good to be out here at PC, and uh, yeah, I love coming out to this campus, and uh, it's just glad to talk through life with you as we look at the book of Acts in just a moment, but I want to make sure you're aware of a couple things uh, going on that I can make you aware of. One is just say yes. Do you ever see the movie Yes Man? That's what, just say yes. Um, it's, uh we have so many needs in our um, chapel kids ministry. Uh, I, you may have kids, grandkids, or no kids, but uh, we need help there. Uh, we're going into the summer months. All year long, we have some really faithful volunteers, people who hold your kids, play with your kids, teach your kids, and the summertime, they just need a break. And so what, this is the whole say yes thing, we're, we're just asking that you would maybe give an hour out of one, one week, one weekend in the summertime. Just one hour. Could you do that? Could you hold a kid? Could you sit with a kid? You know, when you talk about volunteering in a church, oftentimes we talk about our abilities and our giftings and, and our passions, things like that, and all that's really important. But sometimes in a church, you just gotta do what needs to be done, <laughs> And this just needs to be done. We need to give people a break. In fact, if you are gifted that way, we need prolonged volunteerism. But if you could, just after the service, right out in the lobby, there's a little station there that says, say yes. And if you could just help out that way, that would be a great, simple way to contribute uh, to this church and what we're trying to do as an expression of the kingdom of God here in Port Clinton area. All right? That's one thing. So Watch the movie Yes, Man, and then go sign up. Um, Hey, the the second thing is uh, a class called Out of the Salt Shakers. Actually, this is a class I'll be teaching for, I don't know, 18, 20 years. I taught for a seminary, and I I taught a class on outreach. And I haven't done this for several years, but the, the very principles that I taught in that class are what I'll be sharing in this little course that we'll be doing at the Sandusky Campus on June two, would love for you to be a part of that. You know, it's nice that it coincides with going through the Book of Acts. How does the Book of Acts start? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is about Jerusalem. This is about where you work and live and play. This is about the people who God has placed right around you—your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members. How? How do you? How do you? Like Jesus said, be salt and light. How should we be salt and light to them? And, and how do we live for Christ in front of them in an authentic way? Not a perfect way, but in an authentic way. And, and how do we talk meaningfully about Christ based upon where they are right now in life? And so we're going to be answering those questions. We're going to be dealing with some things in that, just in an hour and a half. You'll get a whole seminary course in an hour and a half. How about that? So come be a part of that. Just register. I think register just... Uh, text share to that number or let somebody at the desk know or just come. That's fine. All right? That, that's our responsibility as Christ followers. Between this day and the day that Jesus comes again, we are to be representing Christ with our life and with our words. How do you do that? That's what we're talking about. All right? Great. Thank you. And with that, as we approach the message, allow me to pray please. God, thank you for uh, your word written to us that it may instruct us how to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to you. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to what you want us to know through this text we're about to look at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are in the book of Acts, and uh, today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 5. If you have a Bible or a phone, you want to look at it with me, great. But before I get there, let me just sort of give you some context. In chapter two, the Holy Spirit came and gave birth to the church. And up to this point, up through the end of chapter four, we see, I guess what I'd say, momentum. The church is growing, and there are miracles, and people are believing in Jesus, and the church is adding to its numbers every day. There's momentum. And that's evidence at the very end of chapter 4 when we see that some people in the church are actually selling their property, some of their property or all of their property, whatever, selling their property and giving the proceeds to the church, to the apostles, they are the leaders of the church, so that money can be distributed to those in need. And we learn at the end of chapter 4 there was nobody in need. Can you imagine that? And then at the very end, the very end of chapter 4, just before we get into chapter 5, Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, he writes these words. He says, for instance, let me give you an example of this momentum. He says, for example, there was Joseph, the one the, one, the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, and we'll see Barnabas show up as we get into further chapters of Acts. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field and he uh, he owned and brought the money to the apostles, the apostles, the leaders of the church, and then they distributed that to the need, to the needs of the people. So that's the very end of chapter four. Now we come to chapter five, and the first story in chapter five is a very sad, hard story, but it's one we need to hear. And what I'd like to do here in just a moment is read through this 11-verse story, make some observations along the way, and then ask some questions that I think will help us arrive at why this story is there, what it means for us, hopefully bringing clarity to our own lives, all right? So this is how chapter 5 begins. It goes like this. But this was, Now, when you read the word but, he's, Luke is comp- the, the author, Luke, is comparing to Barnabas and to the rest of the church. But now, but, 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 in contrast, there was a certain man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, who sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent. He kept the rest. All right, already we can see we're kind of in trouble. uh, they, they, bar, uh, uh, uh Ananias and Sapphira can see what the rest of the church is doing. People are selling their property, giving the proceeds to the church. And so they develop a plan. You know, we should be generous too. Because people will think highly of us then. Or maybe we need to be generous also. Anyways, they let's be generous, but let's keep some of it for ourselves. That's their plan. Shh, no one, no one will know. Then Peter said, Ananias... Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Busted, outed, (laughs) exposed. And Ananias and Sapphira learned quickly from Peter. That there are some unseen spiritual realities. There's the Holy Spirit, who is God, and there is Satan. And Peter, in one fell swoop, rips the mask of hypocrisy off of Ananias' life face. goes on. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out to be buried. I told you, this is a sad, hard story. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Peter you know, kind of withholds the information about her husband's death, <laughs> kind of with, withholds any sympathy, because I think at Peter's heart, at the center of Peter's heart, was his concern about Sapphira's posture and heart toward God. This is Sapphira. Yeah, that was the price. Hmm, she holds to the plan, and she lies. Watch what happens next. And Peter said, "'How could the two of you even think of conspiring "'to test the spirit of the Lord like this? "'The young men who buried your husband "'are just outside the door, "'and they will carry you out too.' "'Instantly she fell to the floor and died. "'When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, "'they carried her out and buried her beside her husband.' Now, let me pause for a minute. You know, back when Ananias died a few hours early, you might think, well, it must have been shock, or it must have been a heart attack. But now here, Peter announces her death even before she hits the floor, which makes us realize this this is God's doing. (laughs) And we'll talk about that at the very end. Wow. And this is how the story ends, verse 11. Great fear gripped the entire church, and everyone who heard that what, heard what had happened. This is the first time the word church is mentioned in the book of Acts, and it is seized with fear. What in the world is going on? Wow. So, this is a wild story. I want to ask, I want to ask some questions, and we'll, we'll try to answer these questions. Why is this story included in the book of Acts? It's such a downer. What critical factors led to this tragedy? What, what, what caused this? And how can this story be avoided in our own lives? Ah, that's where the rubber hits the road, all right? So let's deal with the first question. Why is this story included in the book of Acts? I, I, I love good movies. And one thing I know about a good movie is that the director is important, I, I get that, but they often say good movies are made in the editing room. The editor really matters. The editor takes smaller, smaller stories and pieces them together to add to the grander, bigger story, to tell the grander story. Luke is the editor of the book of Acts. He has access to many, many stories, but he adds this story of all stories, which is interesting. He pieces this. He puts this, this in with the other stories to add to the grander story. Now. Will agree. This is a sad, low point story. But what's interesting to me is that Luke, the editor, puts this sad, low point story in the middle of two high point stories. The high point story preceding it is the churches coming together and giving to each other, and there's no one in need. That's how it ends, chapter four. Right after this low point story, it says that people are beginning to believe, or, or even more people are believing in Jesus. So you have high point, low point, high point. What, why, would, why would he be doing this? I, I can't say for sure, but what I believe and what seems consistent with scripture is watch out. <laughs> I, I think it's Luke, the author's effort to wake us up, to shake us up, to open our eyes, that this could happen to anybody who's experiencing a season of momentum. When's the last time your favorite team, just certain to win? There's no question they were gonna win. And they enter into the competition and they lose. Why? Browns, I know, I heard that. Complacency, overconfidence, maybe just sloppy play. Okay, Browns, yeah, I get it. Or maybe, has there been a time in your life where you were part of a relationship or part of a movement or part of an organization where there's momentum, you're moving forward, and then all of a sudden, or maybe over time, there's a reversal and there's a collapse. And this is what happens to Ananias and Sapphira. There's momentum and then collapse. Is that what Luke wants us to know? Watch out. Be careful. Watch out. It could happen to any of us we are experiencing a a high point in our lives as an individual or as a church. Many years ago, someone shared this with me, that that this should be at the heart of every individual Christian, every, every church. It's simply this, that we need a high view of God, a low view of sin, and a right view of self. And Ananias and Sapphira got this backward, Completely, and everything got undermined in their lives. They developed a low view of God. They developed a low view of God to the point where they started to pretend who they were not. Even to the point of lying to God. Yes, they lied to others, but more profoundly, they were lying to God. <laughs> so, how did this happen? How did this? How could this happen to any of us? I want to walk us through some ideas. Here's the question: What critical factors led to this tragedy? And as I read through this story, I, three factors emerge. There might be more, but these three occur to me: the, the heart, the person of Satan and the issue of the view of God. Let's let's talk about the heart. I want to talk about each one of these. Let's talk about the heart. By heart, I mean that which represents the whole person. Um, the, the, The first couple of verses we read were, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property... He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. You know, uh, no problem. No problem selling property, keeping some of it for yourself, and giving some of it to the church. There's not a problem with doing that, but they did, that didn't occur, that didn't happen. They, they didn't do that. There's a principle threaded throughout Scripture, threaded throughout Scripture, but probably most well articulated by the prophet Jeremiah. Maybe you know this verse, and it goes like this: "The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad?" What's Jeremiah saying? What does scripture say? It says that the heart can easily fool me. My heart can easily trick me. My heart can easily deceive me. And that's what exactly what happens to Ananias and Sapphira. The, the heart can be so deceitful, it can lead us to do what we don't want to do and not do what we do want to do and we don't even know what's happening. And so they cooked up a plan. This is what we read just a moment ago. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Now, I wonder wonder what the backstory of this was. I wonder what the kind of conversation they had going on, you know? Like, look at everybody else being so generous. And people speak so well of them, we should be like them. Or maybe, yeah, we we need to be generous. We don't want to, but we probably should because everybody else is. And they're thinking, you know, we need a new roof. We we need a new floor. We need more money in the bank. We need a new cow, whatever it is. Let's sell some property. Act like we're giving it all away. But keep some back for ourselves. And that's what he says. He kept the rest. They pretended to be all in, but they were not. That's the bottom line. They were pretending to be all in, but they were faking it. Now this story is about money. Let's forget money for a moment. Let's let's, let's put money aside. What could you or I be holding back from God? In what way could you or I be acting like we are all in, but keeping back obedience from God. And that might be at the workplace. It could be in a relationship. It could be in a friendship. It could be related to money. In what way might we be trying to fool God? Now, That's an important question because your heart, my heart, can easily be deceived. We can easily be fooled. And when we allow ourselves to be fooled, even without knowing, we have to be careful because there is an added problem. There is an enemy we add to this whole situation, and that is Satan, who is mentioned, by the way. Peter says to Ananias, why have you let Satan Fill your heart. Now, I wish we had time to go into this character of Satan, talk more about Satan. He's known by a lot of different names. The devil, you know, the word devil is a Greek word which means throw between. It's where we get the term throw a monkey wrench into the works. The devil threw a monkey wrench into the works of Ananias and Sapphira. He's known as the tempter and the deceiver. The name Satan used in this story is a Hebrew word. It means adversary. And so Satan was an adversary of Ananias and Sapphira, tempting them and deceiving them. But it's interesting. Peter says to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Fill your heart. Those are the exact words that the Apostle Paul uses in the book, of the Ephesians, when he's writing to the Ephesians and says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What Peter is saying is, Ananias, why have you let Satan influence you? That's what Paul means when he says about the Holy Spirit. Let like God let the Holy Spirit influence you. This is what Peter is saying. Why you have let you have let Satan influence you? Now, how did that happen? How did he let Satan influence him? Better question, how can Satan influence you and me? There's a lot of things we could talk about here, but I just want to show you one verse. I almost wonder if when uh, James, who wrote the letter of James, when he's writing his letter, if he has the story of Ananias and Sapphira in his, in his mind. Uh, these are the words that James writes. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. God doesn't tempt us. Temptation begins in the heart. You know, uh, God gives us a lot of really good desires. You know, there's the desire for money, which is fine. It's a good, clean desire. There's a desire for success, that's fine. There's a desire for nice things, that's fine. The desire for sex, that's a good thing, given the right time and setting. And, but in, and it could go on. There's so many good desires God has given us, but our hearts, which are deceitful and deceptive, can twist those desires. We get twisted to the point where we desire what, in a way we should not. Where does Satan fit in? I don't think Satan can read the mind of a believer, but he can read our tendencies, he can read our habits, he can read our patterns, and then what he does, he influences us based upon our twisted desires toward doing what we should not do, not doing what we should do. And ultimately, ultimately leading us to the the very point where he wants Ananias and Sapphira to be, and where he wants you and me to be, and that is to a low view of God. That's his ultimate plan for each one of us. I I mean, to to come to the point where we we, we look at God more as a hassle rather than holy, where where we look at sin more, not not as being a serious thing, but more of like a, a snicker word to the point, a low view of God, to the point where we think we can just sort of hoodwink God and fool God and get away with things. And this is what Peter says to Ananias. You lied to the Holy Spirit, that is, you lied to God, and you kept some of the money for yourself. And then to Ananias, he says, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? This is, this is the result. This is the result of a, of a heart that is left unguarded and the influence of our enemy who is called Satan or the devil or whatever. So, we have the heart, we have Satan, we have a low view of God. And these, these, are, the, these are the things that brought them, and these are the very things that can bring us down. So Luke Luke inserts this low-point story in the midst of what is otherwise a a story of great momentum to make us aware, to make us alert to what could happen, that that we really do have hearts that are deceitful. Watch out, be careful. Put a guard on your heart. That we really do have an enemy who takes advantage of our hearts that are prone towards sin. That we really can move toward a low view of God without detection, that we really do have the potential all of us do. We have the potential to pretend to be posers and even lie to God and to others. Now, we've answered, why is this? In this? Why is this story in the book of Acts? And how did this happen to them? I think the, the the natural question we need to ask and end with is this: How can a similar story be avoided in our own lives? Um, you know, you know. As 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 a Christ follower, we go through seasons of life. Is it in the? It's the book of Ecclesiastes. It talks about there. There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. People think the, the group Birds wrote that, but that's not true. It comes out of the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time for everything. And, and we as Christians know there, there's a time where we go through a time of great flourishing in our spiritual lives. We're close to God. We're, we're walking steadily with Christ. God's word comes alive in our lives, and we're strong. And, but we also know there are times where we go through a desert moment where it's difficult where God seems very very far away even though he's not but it feels it, it can feel like that the, the early church as we read through the book of acts up through up to chapter 5 it's going through a time of incredible momentum it's alive and things are happening and people are putting their faith in Jesus and understanding what it means to trust in God. They're they're coming alive to the the grace of God, that that God actually loves them and proved it through sending his son, Jesus. Individually, if you're going through a time of momentum, great. If things are really good, great. As a church, when things are successful and going well, great. But I think Luke gives us this story so we should to, to be alert, to be careful, to be watchful. And uh, so how do, how do we do that? How, how do we keep this story from happening in our lives? And I think from this story, I'm, I'm going to give you four ideas, four things that we can pay attention to. And the first one is this: have some honest conversations. Um, as I was studying this, this story. Here you have two people, Ananias the fire, and, Sapphira, and I, I don't know what the conversations went like and what their mindset was like and so on. I believe they were both believers, followers of Christ, but one of them got the idea, you know what? Let's, let's sell our property but keep some and give some away or, or um, keep some for ourselves but let's not tell anybody. Which one of them had that first thought? And should the other have said, you know what? You know what? That's a bad idea. And, and I just wonder, like with your own spouse, your partner, your your friend, or even even looking in the mirror sometime. Do you have honest conversations? Like this, this is just not a <laughs> this is not a good idea to be duplicitous, to pretend. We all fight it. But it's just not a good idea. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. It's the book of wisdom, chapter 27. You know, open rebuke is better than hidden love. The the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. I mean, sometimes we just have to say the hard thing to somebody because it's the right thing to say. What if Ananias and Sapphira had done that? One of my other favorite verses in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 1, those who reject correction are stupid. I, and I'm not, I've never seen the word stupid in the Bible before, but I looked it up in the Hebrew. It's actually stupid. <laughs> those who, and I just, I just wonder, you know, Ananias and Sapphira were stupid. We can be stupid, too. And sometimes you just have, an, have to have an honest conversation and say, you know what, I, I just want to speak. We should do what is right. Can you do that with your friend, your spouse? Look in the mirror. The second one, related, is ask, what are we, am I holding back? You know, national statistics will will show that one of the top reasons that people will not go to church is because the church is filled with hypocrites. Well, in a sense, they're right. I'm one, you're one. I mean, we're all, you know, we all struggle with being authentic. One of our five values here is authenticity. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. Uh, it, it's a fight we should always be in, fighting to be real, not pretending. And yet, it's so easy to do that. And I just want to ask you, can you, can you ask yourself, what mask am I wearing, acting maybe all in, acting like I'm all in, but not really. And maybe that's related to a relationship. You're, you're, you're engaged in some things right now. In this relationship, you should not be. Maybe it's at the workplace. I call myself a Christian, but I'm engaged in some things that I should not be. Or just looking in the mirror and saying, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking about things and doing things I should not be. Again, we all struggle with these things, but this is a struggle worth having. <laughs> we don't want to wear masks. Let's be real and authentic. If we say we're all in, let's be all in. Here's the third thing. Choose my source of influence. Um, It's clear from scripture throughout that Satan's, ever since Adam and Eve, Satan seeks to influence every Christ follower. Um, But it's also clear we we are to be, and we don't have a choice in that. Satan's, until we die, Satan's going to try to influence us away from God. He's gonna try to influence us toward a low view of God. But we do have a choice about who we wanna be influenced by. Do we wanna be influenced by God? Or by culture? Or just let the enemy have his way? We can choose to be influenced by God. How do you do that? Now there's a lot of things we could say there also, but how do I choose to be influenced by God, by the Holy Spirit? Um, when, when When you became a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit immediately came to live within you. What does the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit desire in your life more than anything? there's probably a number of ways we can answer that too, but it's certainly obedience. But one of the keys to that is Scripture. I'll just speak frankly for a minute. I don't know how any person can grow in their Christian life apart from a regular intake of God's Word. In your worship bulletin, you have this one, there's a reading program to prepare you for next weekend. If you're not reading anywhere in the Bible right now, just... Use that. Follow that. Because that's how God influences, over time, a regular intake of his word written for us. Fourthly, keep a high view of God. You know, at the end of the day, Ananias and Sapphira let their hearts get away from them. They let the enemy influence them, and that was their undoing. And they lied to God. As a, as a, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in Huron, and we watched the, we watched the Cleveland stations. You, you, maybe you're not old enough to know that back then there were only like three stations in the world. You know, <laughs> Three, five, and eight. And out of Cleveland, there was a kids program called Captain Penny. And uh, Captain Penny would end every, every show with, you can fool all of the people some of the time. Some of the people all the time. You can't fool who? Mom. mom. You can't fool mom. And I tried my hardest. And, uh, you know, there were times when I got away with some things. I can tell you those stories later. But, uh, but I, could, I could get away with something. But, but with God, we cannot. And that's, this, that's what this story tells us. We cannot get away with some things. So let me just conclude with this. Uh, you know, when... When someone gets fired from a job, the boss will sometimes use something like a, it's more acceptable terminology, like, you know, I'm, I'm giving you an exit opportunity, or, or I'm giving you an early exit opportunity. And here, here's my, and it seems like that's what Ananias and Sapphira got, was a, they got an early exit opportunity. <laughs> so my, my question is, My question is, why did God give them an early exit opportunity? (laughs) And I think think the most logical answer is that here's the early church that needed to understand, we can't, we need to be careful. We have deceptive hearts. We have an enemy who stands opposed to us. And we need to be careful. And God is holy. Holy. And we just can't flip our nose and say, it's no big deal. I think it was God's message to Ananias, to the church. You need a high view of God, a low view of sin, and a right view of self. I, but maybe even a, a, a bigger question, <laughs> maybe it's on your mind too, does God still do that today? I don't know. I don't know. You all look very much alive to me. So apparently you're okay right now. But does God still do that today? If you, we don't have time to do this, but if you were to look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it's so clear there that God the Father, he loves us deeply, but he is also a consuming fire in the sense of his holiness. And we are to have a reverential fear. When I say fear, what I mean is Take God and His word seriously. That's all it means. And I don't know if God deals with people the same way today as He did with Anas and Sapphira. We would, we would not know. One day when we talk to Anas and Sapphira, we're gonna, we're gonna learn a lot as we talk to them in heaven. But God, God hates our sin. He hates our sin. He is holy. And yet, at the same time, this is important for us to hear, when we blow it, and we blow it all the time, I do. when I, I depend so heavily on the grace of God that's expressed to me through Christ. And we don't know the story of Ananias' fire completely, but I do know this, that throughout Scripture we read that God is patient and he is kind, and he's always saying, come back to me, come back to me. Don't leave me. You may have blown it, but grace, grace, in the name of Christ. I was perplexed um, how to end this message on a high note because two people died. That's not a good thing. And, and I, I guess here's the high note, and I already alluded to it. As I, as I look around this room, I see that all of you are very much alive, and you have at least one more breath left. And, uh, and I think the high note would be this, is that between this day and the day that Jesus comes again, um, we, we have an opportunity to walk in the grace, to enjoy the, the grace of God expressed to us through Christ. We have the privilege of uh, living for him. When we blow it, we can come back to him and enjoy his forgiveness once again. But between this day and that day, we, I think our high calling is to live with a high view of God, a low view of sin, and a right view of self. That's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and uh, for the, the blessings of it, God, even the hard stories which are meant to help take us to another point in our Christian lives. May it not be lost on us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It's good to be with you, and I would say just stop by the Say Yes table in the lobby, and I'll see you at my class called Salt Shakers. Take care. Yeah. Okay.